Hello, and welcome to another episode of Asian Glow Up Podcast. We're a podcast centered around sharing stories that help Asian Americans explore themes around identity and connection to their most authentic selves. I'm Jojo, and today I'm joined by one of my co-hosts, April, and also CEO and life and leadership coach, Nicole Cruz. She supports first and second generation immigrants to live bravely by unlearning generational limits, unlocking their full identities, and unleashing their most liberated selves. We are so excited to chat with you today. I actually have a really important question to kick us off. What Hogwarts house are you in? I freaking love this question because I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd. Like, read all the books, went to the London studio, wrote a broomstick. I'm a Hufflepuff. I'm very loyal, supportive, warm. So I was resistant to it at first, but I'm fully accepting now of my Hufflepuffness. <laughs> I'm a Slytherin. I've taken the test a few times over the past few years, and I've actually gotten Gryffindor a few times as well, but mm. I don't know. Maybe it's like Zodiacs where you have like a sun, moon, and rising. I don't know. <laughs> I've totally seen that where they will give like a rising house. and <laughs> That's so yeah, funny. I've never seen that. I haven't taken the test in a while, but when I did back in college, I was a Ravenclaw, so... We've got nice. almost all wow. of them covered. <laughs> Good representation. We know that you left a top of the ladder corporate career, but what really drove you to make the decision to go into coaching? Oh, yeah. So I used to work in health insurance for 11 years and had the six figure salary. Like I thought I was at the peak position, I was doing corporate sustainability. It's kind of like this myth of arrival. Of like I arrived and then I realized like this ain't it. I wasn't being supported. I was in a workplace that was racist and discriminated against. It didn't feel like fulfilling. And there's a really clear moment in my memory of being on the phone with the VP of our department. We had this meeting and we were trying to figure out how to support our employees in India because they had these terrible floods that they were displaced, they were really needing support. And his solution was to send them rice. What? Because he said, they eat that there, right? And I remember at that moment, like, just feeling this is not the place for me. Like, this is not it. This is, I cannot keep contributing to this workplace. And I left the organization three months later. So between then and life coaching was probably another two years. So I did a lot of soul searching. I traveled full time for a year, but I really made a promise to myself. I cannot go back to a work environment, to a place where I cannot be fully myself. And that led me to life coaching. Wow. That's really yeah. amazing and very brave of you too. And I know that's something that you talk a lot about in your life coaching and also just like on your Instagram when we were, you know, doing our due diligence and just making sure that we were ready for this call. Where did you travel to during your year? Oh my gosh. We basically, my husband and I, who was my boyfriend at the time, we booked a one-way ticket to Iceland. And then from there, we traveled all over Europe. We went through Southeast Asia, we went to Australia, New Zealand, like we visited over 20 countries in less than a year. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I tell people it was like my brown version of Eat, Pray, Love. Like <laughs> <laughs> I just went everywhere. 
and did whatever I wanted, which was so freeing. That's amazing, especially after being in such an unfulfilling corporate job. Because April and I and Jackie, our other co-hosts, we talk about the feeling of being unfulfilled at work all the time, actually. Mm -hmm. I guess Mm -hmm. like after all the traveling that you did, when did you realize that coaching was truly your quote unquote calling, if we want to call it that? Yeah. I mean, it definitely did feel like it. Well, in between the travel and deciding that I want to do life coaching, I tried a bunch of different things. I tried sustainability consulting. So I'm like, well, I got my MBA in that. Like I should use it, right? Like I should use the MBA that I got. I volunteered at a bunch of different organizations, but nothing quite felt right. It just felt like I was trying to make something happen. So I literally just sat down. I lived in San Diego at the time. I went to Coronado Beach with my journal and I just wrote down like, what do I love doing? What have people told me that I'm really good at? What do I do normally, naturally for free? And it was helping others. I would run accountability groups for fun with friends. I loved like having really deep conversations one-on-one. I'm not really like a small talk person. I'm just like, tell me your deepest, darkest fears and hopes and dreams. And I realized like, oh, all of that kind of falls under life coach. But Honestly, before then, I had no, no idea that's even what I wanted to do. I had to Google what is life coaching. It's really interesting. It was like one of those moments where I just tried it, where usually I would want to get certified, a degree, all credibility markers. I literally just wrote an email to my friends and family and said, hey, I want to try life coaching. Do you want free sessions? And I dove in. And as soon as I started, it just felt so natural and there was ease to it. And it really felt like I have landed. Like this is the thing that all my strengths like play into that feels really good for me. I love that you mentioned that it took you still two years to even get to that point because I actually read this quote recently about how rushing will take you nowhere fast. And I feel like, especially right now, I personally just feel like I'm always in like a constant rush against time and just like comparing myself to other people. I love that quote because I'm also trying to unlearn rushing because that that's my thing of like, okay, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. And yeah, it takes time to explore, to figure it out, trial and error. Like there's no straight path, especially when you're doing something new. And for our community, for our generation, we're usually the first doing the thing that we're trying to do differently. So yeah, so there's no timeline. That kind of reminds me of another post that we saw on your social media about like the I should have been here by now myth. And you mentioned like, what if you're only three brave choices away from what you want? How do you think that you can neutralize that fear when, like you said, there's no clear path and you have unlimited options in front of you? Yeah, the fear is real. Yeah, the fear is real. And it's what really helped me because I would say I used to be a really fear based person. Like all my decisions into my early 30s were from a place of fear and wanting safety, security, certainty. And the concept that really helped me understand my fear better is that I am not my fear. I really just thought I'm my fear. All those fears that I that come into my head, all those doubts. Oh, that is me. 
But I learned, no, those are just thoughts you got really good at practicing. And you get to choose different thoughts. And so it just helped me create a little distance between myself and my fear. And then I just started looking at my fear differently. Like, oh, okay, it's just trying to keep me safe. It's just there to protect me. And so in those moments of, I like that phrase, neutralizing the fear. I don't like fearless. The fear is there for a reason, but it doesn't have to have such a strong hold over us in our decisions. And so to neutralize it, I would just approach it with curiosity. Okay, I wonder why it's coming up. It doesn't need to mean anything negative about me. It doesn't need to mean that I'm a coward or anything like that. It's like, there's a reason it's coming up. And I want to be really curious about it. Even just acknowledging the fear of like, okay, fear, I see you. I know you're trying to keep me safe. But in this moment, you don't serve a purpose for me. And I find that just gives me a little bit of space to think of a different action, a different option to take than listening to the fear. I like how you're frameworking fear as something that's there to protect you because I've never thought about it in that mindset and it makes it actually feel less scary as a concept. I'm glad. Yeah. Because sometimes fear could be like really overwhelming and scary and fear is a, a deeply embedded human part of us. It was it's built in, you know, back in our evolution to keep us safe from actual like physical threats. And so it's there for a purpose, especially as children of immigrants. You know, we've learned a lot of fear based beliefs from like a survival standpoint. We have a really close relationship with fear a lot of the times. But now we are of the generation where, yeah, we do have a lot of options. We don't have to like scrape by for survival. And so can we move a little further past like having all these decisions based in fear and instead trusting ourselves a little bit more? Are your parents immigrants or are you an immigrant yourself? Yeah, my parents immigrated here from the Philippines. I immigrated in my mom's womb. She was in her third trimester of pregnancy. Probably not suitable to fly, but she was like very adamant on me being an American citizen. And so she flew to California. I was born here in Oakland. And then I actually moved to the Philippines for a couple years and then moved back here when I was four. Wow. I didn't know you're from Oakland. I'm from Oakland, too. Oh, Oh, very cool. (laughs) Yeah. I grew up in the East Bay. Yeah, I was there up until college, and then I actually went to school in San Diego, which I know you also oh, mentioned. So, love California, I know, small world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Amazing. thank you for sharing that. I also want to go back to what we were talking about earlier about the three brave choices. I'm curious how you got to that idea, or like what made you first think of that, because I do think it's pretty unique. Yeah, again, I think it goes back to really recognizing that a lot of my choices were based in fear. And really letting fear run the show. I think a lot of my clients express similarly of like they feel like they're at the mercy of their doubts or fears or other people's expectations. And so the way I think of brave choices are they're really a choice for you. What you want, what you desire versus a should, right? Other people's expectations, fear of other people's judgment. While three brave choices can feel, maybe sound a little daunting, like, oh, a brave choice, it can be really simple of just, I'm going to choose what I want instead of what I think other people want me to do. 
And so maybe that is something big, like quitting your job and traveling and having a total career change. It could even just be, I'm going to choose to go to therapy. I'm going to choose to start coaching. I'm going to choose to even allow myself to figure out what I want instead of just adopting what everyone else wants. The first thing that comes to mind as you're talking about that is, I guess this is also just, again, fear-based, but like, it just sounds so simple when you say it like that, right? But then in the real world, it's like, oh, but then I got bills to pay. I got to do that. I have to think about that. What would you say if someone responded to you in that way? Yeah. Yeah. There's the realities of life, right? And and the way that I coach is, again, very culturally aware. So knowing that we have a very close tie to security and safety and certainty, financial stability is very much top of mind for our community. And so taking that all into account and so really meeting yourself where you are, your brave choice can look very different from someone else's brave choice. It could even just be like, I'm going to start investing in myself by treating myself out to dinner or something and just getting like reacquainted with what you want and that it's okay to like get your needs fulfilled. And so I'm a very big proponent of let's meet you where you are instead of trying to push you into a zone, which feels like you're risking a lot because then you'll just go into like a fight or flight response. And so I, yeah, I bring in a ton of compassion if, especially when someone has spent most of their life in that fear-based thinking, because I totally can relate and understand to that too. Do you think the process with life coaching is similar to therapy? Because I've been doing therapy for like two and a half-ish, almost three years. And Mm -hmm. the way it goes in my experience is that takes four to five sessions for my therapist to get to know me or even understand my background, any like cultural things that are significant to me. So would you say it's a very similar process for life coaching as well? Yeah. So I think where where life coaching and therapy could be similar is, especially in the coaching that I do, we do talk about your background. We do talk about, you know, your experiences. Where it differs, though, is therapy can support you in really unpacking trauma or past experiences and help you in understanding how those past experiences impact you now. They also have another set of tools, whereas whereas coaching, the coaching that I do is very much focused in who you are now and the future. And so how I bring in the past is like, okay, let's understand why you believe what you believe. And okay, it makes sense because you were brought up in a household with very high expectations. You weren't allowed to fail, et cetera, et cetera. And then we look at okay, how can we take in all this information that we've just understood about ourselves and turn it into action? So the thing I love about coaching, it's very action oriented. We don't just learn about ourselves. I also challenge my clients to then take a step towards what they want to create, towards their goals, and then hold them accountable. I think what's really great about culturally aware coaching is we get to shortcut a lot of the stuff that usually we would have to explain to people who don't understand our backgrounds. So for example, when my clients say, I'm really worried about what my family is going to think about this, they don't have to explain why and where that comes from and all of that. It's like, oh, I know. I understand. (laughs) It's not just a disapproving look. It's like deep shame and like feeling 
responsible for their feelings and like all of that. And so we do get to shortcut that a bit, which is nice because then we just get to the meat of what they're dealing with. I love that you have such a culturally sensitive approach just because like I personally have not seen that many life coaches of color, to be frank. And also I've gone through like four or five therapists myself. And when I finally found an AAPI therapist, that's when things started clicking. And mm-hmm. I, it's kind of like what you said, I could shortcut a lot of explanations that would just kind of tire me out. And it's been nice to find someone that doesn't tell me, you don't owe your parents anything. Because I was told that many times and Ooh. it really messed with me. That's rough. I, get, I felt that. Yeah. And I was like, but you don't understand anything related to my culture. Like, you can't just tell me that. And mm. so that that ended quite quickly. But I just remember feeling so unseen and discouraged after that experience. Yeah. Yeah. And and unfortunately, like you're not alone in that experience. Right? I've heard that from so many people, too. And... You know, it makes sense that a lot of these wellness modalities, especially how of what we're seeing now, especially coaching, I would say, has been very predominantly white people from a white lens. And again, I want to make it clear, like, it's not like I dislike white people. I think people (laughs) don't like white people, but I'm just they have just not lived our experience. We have not lived theirs. And so there's just like nuances to our experience that you can really only understand if you've lived through it, if you've gone through it. And to take that into account when you're supporting someone in a vulnerable state who like wants help, being able to really validate and see them and understand them as they are, I think can be really helpful in the healing process. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your own upbringing and knowing that you're first generation born and raised in the East Bay. How did you assimilate or did you not? Like, when did you decide to, I guess, embrace your own identity and culture? Oh, yeah. I assimilated hardcore. (laughs) (laughs) I think especially in the Filipino culture, assimilation is like baked in where we are really just willing to adopt whatever new culture we're in and kind of almost distance ourselves from our Filipino heritage. So I actually didn't really know how to be Filipino, like what that meant until I was in high school. Because up until then, I was one of two Filipinos in my class. And both of our last names were Cruz. I'm like, of course. And so I wasn't surrounded by Filipino culture. My family, while all Filipino, they really adopted like American culture. And so I would say like the most Filipino we would get is like playing mahjong, during family get togethers and eating Filipino food. But beyond that, the culture, the traditions, the heritage wasn't really around. But when I got to high school and I moved to a high school across the Bay Area, it was very predominantly Filipino. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense why I do that. That makes sense why my family does that because I just got to learn from them. But I would say I didn't really fully embrace my Filipinaness until probably college later in life when I just started getting really curious about my heritage and my culture and really experiencing otherness in the workplace, I think really brought it to light of like, oh, I am not the same as my colleagues and I am being treated as such. Why is that? And honestly, a lot of it was just 
my friends teaching me and showing me they embraced their heritage and their families were much more quote unquote like Filipino. And so I learned from them. And then of course, doing this work, I just like appreciate my identity so much, so, so much. It's actually one of my favorite things is to help my clients embrace their full identities because there's very rare occasions or instances where we are fully supported to do that, especially I find like as we enter the workplace where that is not the case most of the time. Yeah, it's definitely a culture shock. I think when I first joined the workforce as well, I was also thinking, okay, like no one really looks like me here. I grew up in a very diverse part of the Bay. But then when I moved to New York and started working, it was just like, where is everybody? (laughs) It's just like, oh, everyone got this internship because their parents know the CEO. And I had to do this, this, and that to get here. But it was just very interesting, I think, in the past couple of years to see how that changed. I think people are a lot more mindful now of like their hiring practices and making sure that it is more diverse. But there's definitely still a lot more work that needs to be done for sure. I think that's a good way to put it. Like, yeah, it's a culture shock, especially in in the workplace when you're really trying to belong and like be part of a team. It can be really difficult to navigate that as the one of the as the only yeah Yeah, I actually had two really intense culture shocks at my first job and at my second job actually where one of them an icebreaker was to talk about popular songs that your parents taught you growing up and everyone said the Beatles and Michael Jackson and I was like honestly my family doesn't really talk about music like that anyways and even if they did you wouldn't know any of the artists that they know. So that I felt really outed during that icebreaker, I remember. And another thing that happens quite often is when people on my team use a lot of idioms that I don't understand. I can't even think of what some examples are. But I remember like in one call with a client, the client said some like really interesting idiom and I had to Google what it was just so I could follow along in the conversation. Completely. Yeah. I've had so many of those moments when I used to work in corporate. I was the only woman of color, definitely the only Asian woman in those teams for years. And most of the my white male colleagues were from the South or from the Midwest. And I just remember sitting there and they'd be talking about football and college football <laughs> and like all these things and like really bonding with each other over it and me just thinking like there's I can't fake that I don't know how to even enter that conversation it's a lot of situations where you're not considered and you're like upbringing isn't considered totally jumping back to earlier when we're talking about culturally unaware practitioners Mm -hmm. what are your frameworks to apply to change that and help them feel heard like what are some questions that you would ask the first thing I start with is really a lot of validation because I'm usually like the first coach that they work with so this is a very new experience for them they've probably spent a lot of their life being gaslit being misunderstood maybe they've worked with therapists or other practitioners before who have told them advice like what you receive Jojo of around family that just doesn't resonate for them or is actually kind of harmful they're the ones who dictate if it's safe or not but hopefully I provide elements of safety with validation and then a ton of compassion and so I think a lot of my clients are like coming into the space and like give me the tough love you know (laughs) give me give it to me straight 
and I am very honest with them and direct with them, but I never do it from criticism. I never do it from judgment. It's very much, okay, you have this goal. What's the most compassionate way we can go about it? Instead of like, go drive, drive, drive towards this goal. It's like, all right, let's meet you where you are. How can we be really compassionate with yourself right now? And then I support them in understanding their belief system. So I do a lot of mindset work. So we talk about beliefs and their thoughts and really trying to understand them from a larger cultural context so that they understand like, oh, this is not just a belief that came out of nowhere. It's because my mom believed it and her mom believed it. And like, it's because of colonization. Like we can go real meta with it. <laughs> and so really helping to understand the origins of why they believe what they believe. Again, so that there's compassion, there's understanding and never blaming our parents or our families or ancestors, never taking that approach of really just like they gave you the tools that they knew. And so that's why you have those tools. And now we get to unlearn those and learn new ones. And so my framework is called, I named it the liberated living framework, which we unlearn generational limits. We unlock what they truly want and who they really are. And then we unleash liberated selves, liberated action, brave choices with a ton of validation and compassion and larger understanding. Because I think we also have a tendency to just blame ourselves for things of, I'm not getting what I want because of me, or I shouldn't feel this way because of me. And while there's some good ownership there, there's also a reason why we behave and think the way we do. And let's get to an, a larger understanding of that instead of like just criticizing ourselves for it. I love that everything you're saying is so incremental and cumulative from like your own personal past experiences to even like from your cultural experiences and ancestral experiences because like that's all so true. And it reminds me of I think a quote that you posted on your Instagram around like not even needing clarity on everything in order to make a change, just needing to be clear enough to take that next step. So mm. I found that to be really calming and affirming. Oh, I'm so glad. You know, I am totally a product of do the most, get the A plus, go all in. And while that has helped me achieve a lot, it also doesn't feel great all the time. It also doesn't leave room for error or failing or mistakes or exploration or curiosity. And so there's a lot of like all or nothing thinking with how we approach goals. Like if I can't succeed in this 110%, why even do it? And so I really love that you pulled those incremental cumulative pieces of it because change is cumulative. One small step does make a difference. And so instead of like completely abandoning the goals that we want because we don't think they're doable. Let's just get clear on the next step and take that and then just see and then just be open to what happens after that. Because more often than not, you will surprise yourself of what is possible if you just allow yourself to take a few small steps at a time. Yeah, because like even when people post their accomplishments online, they're showing what it looks like in the end and they're not showing all the incremental steps it took them to get there. So I think that's something that we all need to remember when we see all the posts on LinkedIn, Instagram, wherever. 
Yeah. What I tell my clients is like, yeah, we're seeing the highlight reel. And then we just automatically compare someone else's highlight reel to our blooper reel. (laughs) Where he's like, oh, they're killing it. But I wasn't able to like raise my hand in a meeting. And yeah, really understanding like that is just one part of like the whole journey that someone took to get there. I know you mentioned historically resilient communities here and there. So I guess we're just curious, like, what does that mean to you? I forgot where I learned that phrase. I learned from one of my teachers and I loved how she put it because so I work with a lot of like immigrant communities. When I think of historically resilient, I think of what our communities and our ancestry have had to work through, have had to experience in order to get to where we are. And so if I just think of my own Filipino culture, heavily colonized, have had their heritages, their language, religion stripped away from them, have had to adopt these new ways of being, have been through generations being told they're not good enough in some way or another. And just the strength that it takes for our communities to be able to be in a place now where we are now able to have podcasts and talk about our experiences and share stories and be ourselves. It just makes me really proud to be part of communities that have had struggled a lot and have and have stayed committed to living better lives. And so maybe for our parents that really look like survival, really just trying to get our basics met. And now for us, what that looks like is creating fulfilling lives, making an impact on larger communities. And I think a lot of, probably all of the marginalized communities in our societies have had to be historically resilient, have had to really navigate situations and circumstances where the odds were stacked against them. And we're still here and we're still like creating change and we're still striving for more. I actually saw a TikTok where a woman with a really heavy accent was talking about how she used to be made fun of for her accent for pretty much her entire life after coming to America. But she was going on about how actually my accent is a sign of resilience because Mm. it survived even in another country or I've survived in even another country. And I that just flipped my perspective on resilience in general. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And I think, you know, I love that in the past couple of years, we've become really aware of generational trauma and generational limits that have been passed down. And I think historical resilience just also reminds us like, yo, there's been a lot of good generational stuff that has been passed down too. We are strong. We don't shy away from like hard work. We know how to make stuff happen. There's still a lot of like joy and happiness and hope that has been passed you know, pass on to us. And so I love just looking at it holistically of, yeah, let's deal with our like generational trauma and healing we need to do. And let's also appreciate all the goodness that we receive too. We know that you do so, so much. You do group coaching, one-on-one life coaching, public speaking, you've hosted a masterclass and you've even launched your own podcast recently, which is very exciting. And we're going to ask you about that in a sec, but we just want to know, like, how do you make time for yourself? and your own self-care, your own healing? Hmm. I love that question. As you can tell, I still try to do the most every now and then. And honestly, I've gotten really good at boundaries. So 
2020, I didn't realize it, but I was really burnt out because I was coaching multiple groups through racial trauma, through the pandemic. It was taking a lot. And so what I learned from that year is how to build boundaries for myself and even boundaries with clients where it's like, okay, this is the time that I'm working. This is the time that I am supporting and I'm going to support and give my all in the in that time. And then outside of that, I fill my own cup. I nourish myself. I've also just learned how to do things in ways that feel good for me. And so I say no to things that don't energize me. I take on less clients. I write when I want to write. I don't write when I don't want to write. And just listening to my body, my energy, and really being intentional about what I put pour my time and energy into and giving myself permission to not do everything and to not do it perfect. We can just be ourselves. One of my one of my group clients, she she said this phrase that has stuck with me of like, oh wow, it kind of feels like that feeling, you know, after a long day where you take your bra off and that like <laughs> feeling of relief. That's what it feels like here. I'm like, love it. <laughs> Amazing. Everyone can relate. <laughs> That's so funny. You just like have so much knowledge, right? And so much wisdom to share. And it's very obvious through this conversation as well. How do you think you've learned all this? Did it just come naturally over the years? How did you start being able to, one, learn it for yourself, but then also, of course, be able to share with people? That's such a good question. It's definitely been an accumulation, right? I didn't come out the gates year one of coaching knowing all of this. I let myself be messy. I let myself make mistakes. I have thousands of hours of coaching our community over the past almost five years. And so every client, every group, I just learn more and more. And I also have coaches. I need support too. And so I've had at least one coach for the past three years, multiple coaches, where when I'm feeling self-doubt and fear and feeling stuck, I have somewhere to go to support me to get out of my own way also. And so I learn a ton from our community. And I also make sure that I am supported and I don't have any myth, that myth of perfection. I know I'm always going to be a work in progress. And I'm so glad that there are people there to support me and to teach me and so that I can continue learning too. Yeah, I think the work in progress reminder is really great because as for me, I've only been in the workforce for like a couple of years now, but I always feel like I need to be doing more or that I'm not doing enough. So just got to keep reminding myself of that too. And it's hard, right? There's this arrival. Like you get to this yeah. place and then it'll be different. You get to this, you achieve this thing and then this new level will be unlocked. But how can we just enjoy the steps there? And we're always going to be changing and evolving. Sometimes my clients ask me like, am I done yet? Am I there? <laughs> Are we good? I'm like, yeah, you're good. And you're always going to evolve. It's just normal. It's just natural. Awesome. Well, I think we can start wrapping up. But Nicole, before we do, do you have any questions for us? Yeah. I would love to know as you're going into new season, this new year, what you're like receiving for yourself from 2022, like a learning, maybe something like that was surprising for you. 
I'm just curious. Yeah. It's funny that you ask because actually just this morning, the three of us recorded our 2022 Reflections episode. So I guess to quickly answer your question, my word for 2022 was embrace. And I think I did an okay job at it. I feel like what I received from this year was a lot of taking things slow, slower than usual, at least, because I think before it was very much that go, go, go mentality, like being newish to New York and just wanting to always be out and doing something. I think this year was a lot softer in a lot of ways. I think I surprised myself in the sense that I had a lot of health issues this year. I feel like life just got thrown at me in ways that I was not expecting. But just reflecting on that has made me realize like even through all those lows, I've still achieved so much for myself. And even like with the podcast too, we're still going at this with a lot of hope for our next season and a lot of new goals and stuff. And so I think that I don't know. I'm just really excited to take on the new year after feeling so limited. I just want to see like where we'll take things. So that's exciting. There's like a lot of possibility in that. I love that. For sure. Yeah. And I used to be really scared about possibilities and unknowns because I am such an avid planner, but I'm definitely learning to have a little bit more trust in myself and just kind of take things as they come a little more rather than having to control every little thing. Oh, you're speaking my language. That's <laughs> something I'm working on too. Re- yeah. Releasing some control. For sure. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. All that possibility is definitely scary, but also really exciting at the same time. It's like the idea of like the unlived lives and how Ooh. there's so many crossroads and there's so many paths that I didn't take, but maybe could have. And it's like, what is Parallel Universe April doing right now? There's so many moments in my life where things could have gone so differently. And I'm really happy at the way things turned out. But it's like, I don't know. It's just so interesting to me. <laughs> oh, I love that. Can I ask a second question? <laughs> yeah. You can ask as many as you want. <laughs> yeah. Because one thing that I'm supporting my clients with right now is like making 2023 a year of want. Like mm. They just honor their wants instead of their shoulds. And I'd love to know, like, is there a want that you really want to prioritize or honor next year? That is a great Hmm. question. I think for next year, there's a lot of things up in the air. I'm not really sure if I want to stay in New York. I'm considering maybe moving back to California, but I think it's been decided. So I think I really just want to make sure that I'm making decisions for myself and that it's what I actually really want in that moment. So good. I think mine is actually very specific to my career or just like what I'm accomplishing with my life. I think I just spent so long. It's kind of like what you said in the beginning of this conversation, Nicole, about like getting a degree and actually using it because you spent so much time, energy, money, resources Mm -hmm. on obtaining this piece of paper that says you're qualified to do a certain thing. And so that's kind of where I've been the last four and a half years of my career. And I was actually just laid off around a month and a half ago that timing was actually incredible because now I'm approaching this new year with so many options and opportunities for myself to really define what that can look like for me and honestly I keep saying this to myself and to like April and Jackie too but I want to like completely change my entire trajectory by maybe going back to school for something else completely I mean, it's not completely unrelated, but it's something very different. And I think I'm going to go for it and not be afraid. 
Oh my gosh, that makes me so excited. I just love when I see people give themselves permission to just explore something different and new, even if it's like not, doesn't make sense, right, on the path that they've been on. So I'm in full support of just exploring and like going for it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited. And just thinking about like the unlived lives, I was thinking about the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once. Did we all watch that? Yes, of course. You know, Evelyn goes through, there's so many different lives she could have lived out. And yet there's just like central themes that are true to her core. And that didn't really ever change throughout all these unlived lives that she has. So I think that was an interesting takeaway for me from that movie. So good. So profound. I need to rewatch it and just like watch it through that lens. Too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think I'll rewatch it too. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. We really loved having you on the podcast. And I'll love to give you a sec to maybe talk a bit about your podcast and kind of what you've been up to and share your socials as well. Yeah, I'm really excited. So my podcast is called Living Bravely which is also the name of my group program. And really my focus with the podcast is to support communities of folks with immigrant roots, feel really seen and validated, and really to provide a lot of the tips and learnings that I have received from almost five years of doing this work. I just want to support more of our community to want lives, to live bravely, to live the way that they're meant for they're meant to the first three podcasts are available now on apple spotify and i think the other podcasting platforms but those for sure and then uh, there'll be a new episode every other week at least i'm giving myself permission to start slow you can visit my website nicolecruzcoaching.com or you can connect with me on instagram at nicolecruzcoaching awesome well, thank you so much again. It was really great. And for anyone out there, if you want to follow Asian Globe, you can find us at www.asianglobe.com. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your night. Thank you. Thanks for having me.